Welcome to the Hackberry House of Cho Sun. My name is Bob. I'm reading today from a devotional book put out by Voice of the Martyrs. It's called Extreme Devotion. This book catalogs the struggles of God's people over past years. Today we're visiting Turkmenistan and one Shageldi Atakav. Break him morally or destroy him physically. The Turkmenistan bureaucrats had no more patience for this street preacher. Shageldi Atikov was offered his freedom under President Sapomorat Niazov's December 23, 2000 amnesty, provided he would swear the oath of allegiance to the president and recite the Muslim creed. Well, Shageldi refused the amnesty again. Shageldi had previously been threatened by state officials to stop preaching. He was arrested in December 1998 and sentenced to two years in jail, but a prosecutor appealed the verdict as too lenient. He was then sentenced to two additional years in prison. Shageldi was in such pain from the harsh beatings that he asked his children not to touch him. In February 2000, his wife and five children had been forcibly taken from their home and exiled to remote Kaha, where they remained under village arrest. When his family visited him in early February 2001, Shigeldi said his farewells. His wife noticed that during the visit he was bruised and battered, his kidneys and liver hurt, and he was suffering from jaundice. He could barely walk and frequently lost consciousness. He did not expect to survive much longer. Despite this, Shigeldi was still not broken. He would not give in. And though release was within his reach, he would not accept it if it meant forsaking his allegiance to Christ. 1 Thessalonians 1.3 says that we continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Humans can live for many weeks without food, yet we cannot survive many days without water. In the same way, our spirits need spiritual nourishment as well. We may go several days, months, even years without companionship. Our spirits can survive despite the loneliness. We may do without peace, enduring illness upon lingering illness. Our spirits, though discouraged, will survive. If we try to endure long without the hope of Jesus Christ, however, our souls diminish. We cannot live without hope. God's precious gift to his children. If you are feeling as though you cannot go on, ask God to encourage and motivate you. You will endure all things with a strong hope in Jesus Christ. Also today, we want to read from a magazine This is the Voice of the Martyrs newsletter slash magazine. It's about 16 pages. Uh, We'll tell you how you can get it to your home in just a few minutes. Our story, story today is entitled, Reconciliation Replaces Revenge. Reconciliation Replaces Revenge. Takes us back to the Middle East. In the early 1990s, when Hani was 12, a Dutch missionary named Anna arrived in his Lebanese 
village. We're in Lebanon today. His Lebanese village and started teaching children about Jesus in a local park. Although Hani was a member of the Druze community, the missionary's teaching piqued his interest. I was raised in a Druze family, he said, but a non-religious one. Now, the Druze are a, a secretive ethno-religious group whose syncretistic beliefs borrow from the Abrahamic faiths, Greek philosophy, and even Hinduism. The majority of the more than one million Druze are scattered across the eastern Mediterranean, with the largest communities in Syria, Lebanon, and Israel. Anna faced a significant challenge proclaiming the gospel in Lebanon as the country was still recovering from a civil war between Christians and Muslims, so-called Christians, that lasted from 1975 to 1990. Roughly 120,000 people from multiple religious communities died in the war. This village was an epicenter of fighting, Hani said. My mother's father was the first one to be killed by the Christians. The very word Christian in this village made people nervous. For them, a cross or Christ, a Christian, that's the enemy. Though the Druze had considered Christians their enemy, Hani was intrigued by Anna's gospel message. Soon he began attending church in a neighboring village, and some young men from the church started visiting his home to teach him more about Christ. Some in the Druze community, however, did not approve of Anna's teaching. Five women violently attacked her, causing injuries that forced her to leave Lebanon. And the next time Hani's friends from church came to his house, Hani's father ordered them to leave and never return. How dare you do this, Hani yelled angrily at his father after the young men left. As he grabbed a pillow to shield himself from his father's slaps, he felt a Bible that one of the Christians had intentionally left under the pillow. Hani quickly put the pillow down so his father didn't see the Bible. I took the Bible and I hid it, Hani recalled. It was the first Bible I ever had in my life. Though he was only 12, Hani started studying the Bible on his own. I started every day reading one, two, three hours in the Bible, Hani said. For me, it was just like a challenge. I wanted to read, just to defy them. Hani read the entire Bible twice and read halfway through a third time, but without other Christians to encourage his studies, he gradually lost interest until many years later during a time of need. In the early 2010s, Hani began to experience some difficulties in his personal life. He and his wife lived in his parents' home, and when Hani's father died, he feared that his marriage would collapse as a result of the poor relationship between his wife and mother. As Hani cried out to God for a solution, he felt led to pray to Jesus. Hani prayed for an entire month, gradually remembering some of the verses the missionary had taught him. He also recalled the missionary uh, telling him and the other children that God could speak through the Bible. Hani searched his house for the Bible that he had received as a child, and eventually he found it, uh, though its condition had deteriorated with age. I found the Bible in the attic, he said, and it was literally moldy. It was all green and on the edges mold. 
but you could read it. Holding the moldy Bible, Hani asked the Lord to speak to him through whatever he read first. And when he opened the Bible, he began to read the story of Hannah in 1 Samuel. At first, he didn't understand how it applied to his situation, but as he continued to pray during the next three weeks, he saw that he needed to follow Hannah's example of fervent prayer. Lord, come and take care of my life, which I cannot really handle properly, he prayed. That night, Hani slept peacefully and deeply for the first time in months. The next day, when he answered a knock at the door, he was surprised to see one of the Christian men that his father had dismissed from the house years earlier. The man said he had sensed the Lord compelling him to return to Hani's house that day. Hani shared his problems with his old Christian friend, and through the man's witness, Hani placed his faith in Christ. Several weeks later, his wife, who had listened to Hani's conversation with the man, also placed her faith in Christ. And soon, even Hani's mother came to know the Lord. She forgave the Christians who killed her father, Hani said. As further evidence of God's work in the family, the long-standing tensions between Hani's mother and wife were suddenly resolved. I still, to this day, don't understand how it disappeared, Hani said, laughing. Hani learned to proclaim the gospel as his faith matured. Eventually, he started a house church. But... Being known as a Christian in a Druze community was not without its challenges. First, someone slashed his tires, and then one day his brakes suddenly failed. A mechanic said the brake line had been intentionally cut. When Hani installed a hidden security camera outside his house, he discovered that a neighbor was sabotaging his car. Instead of directly accusing his neighbor, he decided to visit him and hint that he knew what the man had done. His non-confrontational approach worked. The surprised neighbor stopped harassing him and has spoken positively about him ever since. Hani's refusal to seek vengeance soon had a positive effect on other Druze as well. An old family friend of Hani, a man named Samer, was part of a Druze community in Syria and was just as confused about the Druze religion Uh, as Hani had been as a youth. We were living our lives blind and just trying to find our way through the darkness, Samer said. Samer wanted to know more about the Druze religion, but was told he would have to wait years to be allowed to study it. One thing he did understand, however, was the Druze tradition of blood feuds and vengeance. For the Druze, honor and dignity are so important, he said. For someone to insult you, to threaten your dignity, to disdain you... If you don't go and take revenge and take your rights back, it means you're a coward and a very weak person. One morning in 2017, when a neighbor yelled up to his apartment that Samer's car was on fire, he was overcome by thoughts of vengeance. As he ran to his car and tried to extinguish the fire, he could think only about who might have done it, but no one came to mind. Firefighters soon arrived to help prevent the fire from completely engulfing Samer's vehicle, but then his uncle encouraged the vengeful thoughts already in his mind. What if someone is attacking you because you went to a church? His uncle yelled. Samer had attended a Christian worship service while working abroad, and it had made a lasting impression. 
When I would go to a church, I would feel very happy when I listened to the songs, he said. Those experiences of Christian worship made him want to know more about the Christian faith. So he began to attend church regularly when he returned to Syria. Samer didn't know if the car fire had been started by someone angry about his church attendance, envious of his successful barber shop, or, or for some other reason, but he believed it was an attack, not an accident, and he was mad. Hani, who was visiting Syria at the time, arrived at Samer's apartment shortly after the fire was extinguished. Samer was saying, if I know who he is, I will smash him, I will kill him, Hani recalled. Hani urged Samer not to retaliate. No, 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 we should not take revenge. We should be loving and forgiving. Hani's suggestion shocked Samer. This was the first time to see a Druze person who does not have the desire for revenge, Samer said. The suggestion to show love and forgiveness rather than vengeance opened the door for Hani to tell Samer about God's grace. I told him the story of the servant who was heavily indebted to his master, Hani said. His master forgave him of everything, but he was unwilling to forgive his friend. Hani used Christ's parable to challenge Samer. God forgave us for immense debts. We cannot forgive others? He asked pointedly. The message touched Samer deeply at his heart, and his heart was softened by the gospel. We moved from talking about the burning car, and we kept talking about Christianity, about Christ, Samer said. He placed his faith in Christ that day and later told his Druze family about the God of reconciliation. Oh, but they rejected him. When I tried to visit some of my relatives or acquaintances, they looked at me as someone who denies his religion, Samer said. They said, this is a traitor. Here he comes. In addition, his Regular customers stopped visiting his barber shop, causing the collapse of his business. His family offered no assistance. But others could see the dramatic change in Samer's personality. I used to be so intolerant, Samer said. I didn't tolerate people even walking by without scowling at them. Samer's personality changed so much that his wife also placed her faith in Christ. Her parents, angered that she had abandoned her ethnic religion, tried to force her to divorce Samer. But she remained committed to Christ and her marriage. Samer's problems continued to mount, with his funds eventually decreasing to the point that he decided to leave Syria and move to Lebanon. He hoped he would face less persecution in the country where Hani lived. When he and his family reached Lebanon, he was so short of money and desperate to feed his family that he visited one of his brothers who lived there. He had hoped his brother would help, but his brother wouldn't even allow Samer into his house. Those in whom you believe, go to them, his brother taunted. I can't help you. Well, with help from the global body of Christ, Samer set up a new temporary barber shop and found a place for his family to live in Lebanon. He and his family continue to struggle financially, however, because of ongoing economic instability in the country. They also continue to face rejection from members of the Druze community because of their Christian faith, something to which his friend Hani can easily relate. 
I love the Druze very much, Hani said. I have a zeal to help them and defend them. But my heart is for Jesus. If you'd like to be put on the mailing list of Voice of the Martyrs and receive your own copy of a magazine like this where you can read stories like that every month, just contact the folks at vom.org, vom.org. And if you'd like your own copy of Extreme Devotion, it's not a free book like the magazine is, but it's well worth the few dollars you will pay. Just uh, go to thevoice at vom.org, thevoice at vom.org. Well, this is the Hackberry House of Chosun, and Lord willing, we'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye.